Hello and welcome to Docupied, a podcast about anime, manga, light novels, and industry news. I'm your host, Brandon, otherwise known as DocPay, and I'm back this week with another light novel. I've actually picked up and started like four new series in the last week or two, so I imagine the next couple of episodes are going to be a bunch of light novels. And with the third season of Log Horizon airing right now, which I'm incredibly excited about and have been since it was announced, I might actually go back and cover the, well, like Log Horizon in total, talk about the light novel and talk about the anime adaptation. Interestingly, I think it was actually the first light novel series that I really, that like kicked off me starting to read light novels. I'd been kind of buying a number of light novels at the time for series I was interested in, but Log Horizons what kind of got me to start reading it, and then from there I jumped in and expanded my uh, reading list for light novels, and it's grown out of control. So I figured with the, the new season airing, I'll probably talk about it at some point soon. But anyway, today's episode is actually going to be talking about a newer, shorter series called Fushinokami, Rebuilding Civilization Starts with a Village by Mizumi Amakawa. The series is published by J Novel Club. There are two volumes currently out, and the third volume is due out in April. They just started simul-publishing parts for volume three as well, so if you like to kind of follow along weekly, you can do that. I'm more of a, I hate to say binge reader, but I like to read cover to cover, or more like I just like reading as much as I can get my hands on at that moment, so usually it's book to book. So I had uh, waited for this series to release the second volume, and then jumped on it. I think I'd mentioned before that I was interested in this series, and you know, if you've listened to previous episodes, it'll make sense why I was interested in checking this one out. So let me just start off by reading the description from Jane Novel Club. Ash is a young boy with apparent past life memories who lives in a remote, deserted village. As he remembers leading a bountiful life, he can't bear living in a world akin to the Dark Ages, where not even the internal combustion engine exists. Ash envisions the rebirth of a civilization where housing with proper sanitation is the norm and the world is connected via a means of transportation faster than horses. Without reason, he is eager to consult books containing knowledge from a highly developed ancient culture that is rumored to have existed far in the past. Ash makes use of the church's resources, learning how to read and obtaining the knowledge that he seeks. In addition, he enlists the help of the people around him, including Micah, the village chief's daughter. Together, they aim to develop their own village. This is only the beginning of the story about a young boy who sets out to revolutionize the world in order to rebuild civilization and create his ideal life. So right off the bat, you learn that, yes, this is basically an isekai. It's fantasy. It's a civilization builder. There'll be plenty of, like, politic and scheming, although he isn't, like, the ruler of anything, and so has no inherent power. It definitely incorporates a lot of elements from other series that I've talked about and ones that I enjoy. It has somewhat reminiscent setup as something like Bookworm or even Realist Hero in that it's like developing a civilization, improving like standards of living, lots of like small projects 
to improve life in kind of a medieval dark ages type civilization. It's also got the kind of economics of prophecy bit where the main character is an isekai'd person from our world and uses his knowledge to like do all these kind of revolutionary things in that kind of world. Whereas in like Bookworm, mine is just like so focused on books, she doesn't really care about all these other things. In like Economics of Prophecy and Shinokami, the main characters kind of have their own goals. And as characters, they're clearly more, or they, they lean more in the side of like people who know what they're doing. So Economics of Prophecy, obviously the guy studied economics and business. And so he uses that kind of advanced experience and knowledge to his advantage in this like new isekai world in fushinokami ash similarly we actually learn absolutely nothing about his past life and i think intentionally so in the first two volumes all it says is that he has past life memories or like he thinks he does it kind of triggers in him that he remembers it but he still kind of acts as if ash himself is his own person and not necessarily a continuation of his former self he's not sure if he can trust those memories as like real or true necessarily so there's definitely some kind of mystery aspect there that maybe the author will get into but based on the first two volumes it's clear that the bigger focus of this series is ash pushing forward in his goal of rebuilding the civilization essentially he wants to create himself or for himself this life of luxury that he remembers from these past life memories of our world. And so everything he does is generally to like further that goal, whether it's teach himself to read this world's language, researching into farming techniques, medicine, hunting. Like he touches all kinds of different projects and subjects, whereas some of the other characters, you know, like from Bookworm, for example, mine is pretty much books and things around books or things to make books happen and economics of prophecy is all business and economics and there's some politics of course but it's lots of economic theory business discussions and things centered around that whereas fushinokami you know ash touches anything you can think of that will help him with his goal you know medicine farm techniques He's even studying like martial arts, combat, transportation methods as kind of an extension of the farming bit. He looks into food, recreating composting, reintroducing certain crops back to society like tomatoes. There's a whole bit about like why tomatoes became like taboo or thought of as poison. And it, it's kind of interesting. So I'm I'm really kind of talking all over here because it the series has a lot of parallels to a lot of others. So backing up a step here, the setting, like I said, is or like the description said rather, is kind of something akin to the Dark Ages, but fantasy. The author clearly wants to do a lot of world building, and the first two volumes are full of it. At least up to this point, there's no real like direct parallel to kind of like earth history but the author has been setting up a lot of like world building based on like in their world there's like this whole history that's passed down 
and there's different periods of history. You know, you've got like the ancient period, the middle period, like the modern period. Supposedly in their, the past of this world, they were more advanced. And a lot of that knowledge has been lost on people, but it's still recorded in like the various books that the church or various like churches hold in their libraries. There's this whole system where, you know, there's a church and a village and that's meant to be like an education system where the clergy are there meant to like educate people of the villages, but it also is kind of a, a dilapidated system, so it's not really functioning. No one's really using it that way, except for Ash, who kind of forces the priest in their village, uh, Father Folk, to, well, he essentially like forces him to lend him books to teach himself to read, and it eventually snowballs and the village is become kind of a thriving spot for education. And then there's the, you know, layout of like the author laying out the differences between the village he grew up in, the city, like the small, well, not smaller, but like, it's not the capital or anything, but like the big city that he goes to uh, with the kind of other main character, Micah, in the second volume where they go to, it's like a military academy type thing except realistically it's actually like really not important that he's going to school there it's just that he went to a city with more resources and more powerful people and more books and so just generally more for him to interact with and do and that's what the kind of focus of the plot in the first two volumes is generally is ash has a goal and his goal is to rebuild civilization up to kind of the standards of his past life memories. And so everything he does is in service to that. It's bringing additional wealth and safety to his village. It's then trying to reintroduce beneficial things back into society, like composting or using tomato as a viable like food source. He's reintroducing using like aloe or honey as ointment or for skincare, like he's doing all kinds of things to, you know, build up a base of funds and like human resources, which is also why he went to the city is to just rope in more people into his schemes because he knows that he needs more people to accomplish what he wants to. Ash himself as a character is maybe the most generous way to describe him is like, manipulative <laughs> like he will a silver-tongued he will like talk his way or talk his way through anyone to get at his goal everything he does is like calculated a scheme of some form i think i forgot to mention but in at the start of the story i think he's only meant to be like nine years old as well and so for all the other characters is there's this weird uncanniness to him of just like what is wrong with this kid? He's crazy. Like he's talking them into doing things. He's he's learning to read or teaching himself to read. He's off inventing all these new crazy things, deciphering the ancient language, you know, writing up proposals and presenting them to the person in charge of the city, or rather slowly but surely ingratiating himself with all the people who surround the the count who's in charge of the city, who is Micah's uncle for example, and, you know, slowly but surely absorbing all of his, like, best, we'll call them staff, but 
most trusted like partners, underlings. So he slowly wins them over and then kind of uses them to push forward his objectives. I know it sounds like he's kind of a sociopath and realistically he's all about scheming to and manipulating people to get what he wants. So very calculated. Luckily, it just so happens to be that what his goal is, is just make life better for everyone in the process of making it better for himself. And what's interesting is that, you know, some of the other characters recognize that he is basically a cute little monster um, in the form of a child. Uh, so Micah's mother, Yuika, is an example of that. She recognizes that and frequently calls him like a cute monster. She knows that he's just going to steamroll everything and anything to achieve his goal. And so she tries to like rein him in. And because wouldn't you know it, her daughter Micah is in love with Ash. She's very kind of proactive in helping her daughter, you know, improve herself, but also learn to rein in Ash if she wants to be with him later in life. Learn to like keep him in line, more or less make sure he doesn't go crazy or like do anything crazy over the top. Then you've got, like I said, Micah. Micah herself, um, as a character, kind of morphed into a very proactive, go get him in love with Ash kind of character. She wants to stand beside him, so she's always trying to keep up with him, help him out, support him, and just kind of like better herself in that process. In volume two, we're introduced to Arthur, who Ash kind of immediately recognizes as a, a girl being disguised or disguising herself as the younger brother of the acting count, who is Micah's uncle, who is in charge of this city. And he ends up having to be like a roommate with Arthur. There's clearly, like, this is setting up for something more. They've already kind of hinted at who Arthur could be a little bit. And at least within the context of readers in this story, it's very much clear that Arthur has some, like, past in history that will be revealed at some point. Or in more detail, we should say. Arthur is clearly, like, meant to be as, like, a timid character who has, like, no degree of self-esteem and who's clearly being kind of beaten down by whatever their circumstances are. There's clearly like a lot of stuff going on around Arthur, forcing Arthur to kind of bottle a lot of things up, nod and smile, just kind of endure through a lot of difficult things for, you know, a child. I'm trying not to like spoiler because I don't actually know. So what I would, all I can say is like a prediction of who I think Arthur is. But, I, you know, I'll let you draw your own conclusion. But at, at least for me, it's clear that Arthur is uh, someone of importance. You know, they say that much in the story, essentially. But it's clear Arthur is someone important who's in a tough spot and who now has been drawn into the orbit of Ash. And Ash draws in all and definitely won't let, you know, good human resources go. That's kind of his thing. He needs collaborators to accomplish his dreams, and anyone he finds useful or like valuable to his plans, he kind of sinks his claws into him and bam, you your life is now ashes. <laughs> There's a number of other characters um, of varying degrees of importance. 
but I'll just kind of sum it up here on the characters bit in that there's enough to like to go around. Ash himself might be a little hard to stomach for certain people because he is particularly like manipulative and very upfront about at least within his own narration about like what he's doing and why he's doing it and he's you know very big into using kind of coercion or manipulation or you know his silver tongue to get what he wants so and then he ropes in everyone around him it's very i don't mind it at all and i don't need my main characters to be like perfectly likable necessarily and i actually do really enjoy reading about what ash is you know doing what he's trying to accomplish like i've been sucked into the whirlwind that is ash and i'm just always interested to see what it is he wants to try and do next so this series has you know pretty solid world building the author clearly puts a lot of kind of effort and thought into the setup for the story there's a decent cast of characters to like for ash to bounce around on or it's a weird turn of phrase for ash to like play off of there's not really romance necessarily because ash himself is like clearly drawing a line here that nah they kids and i'm a kid and like i'll deal with that when we're adults kind of thing he's like nah man i can't see any of these people as like romantic interests and he's very kind of clear about that but it's also very clear that micah and later on arthur to a degree are well micah kind of essentially professes her love for Ash. Maybe not to him directly, but circumstances. Uh, anyway, it's clear to everyone else that Micah loves Ash and that they're going to end up together because Micah will make sure of it. So it's less that there's romance and more that Micah is in love with Ash, <laughs> if that makes sense. So the primary kind of thrust of the story is Ash concocting plans and taking action. Ash doing lots of research, making proposals, getting those proposals in front of the people who need to approve them, and then just executing on them, all in an effort to, you know, make life more pleasant and convenient for himself and everyone else, you know, as an aside. The story is primarily written from Ash's perspective, and what I did find interesting was that in the afterword for volume one, the author brings up that he wrote in additional segments that are from other characters' perspectives that weren't in the original web novel version of this. So the, I guess I didn't mention it, but it's not really important, but this series is based on a web novel, pretty much like most light novels these days, which is why I don't really bring it up necessarily. But the author added in alternate perspectives, you know, from Micah or Yuika or other characters, Arthur in Volume 2, etc., to give more perspective on the situations that Ash like finds himself in. So it's either fleshing out for context what normal people around Ash are experiencing or seeing in any given like particular scene, or you know, giving more depth to the side characters. You get to have that insight on what Micah's thinking or Yuika's thinking in their interactions with Ash or before or after. So it just gives more context to a lot of what was going on in the volume from 
someone who wasn't Ash. Ash is the primary point of view and narrator for most things, and he approaches things from the perspective of someone who has been like isekai'd. He he has modern knowledge, and he's trying to like push forward with that. And he's clearly, you know, has his or remembers experience from a past life, so he isn't just a nine-year-old. Whereas all the characters around him are from this world, and so both think and react to him in that fashion. And I always really appreciate when we get more storytelling from outside kind of the primary perspective. I love when authors spice it up. Not to say I think less of works or authors that are written from like a singular perspective or even like a third person narration style, but I do enjoy when a work like this kind of splices in interesting perspectives that the main character you know, never could give us simply because of who that main character is. And that works really well in this case with Ash, because Ash is so like much a force of nature and is constantly scheming and doing his own things that he is, I won't say blind to certain things, but unless we had those alternate perspective or POV sections, I feel like we would have lost a lot of insight into, you know, the world or the characters. And so I'm really glad that they're in there for the light novel version. They're usually a little bit shorter, like they're not as long, and they generally cover, like I said, before, after, or somewhat during an event that either just happened, you know, from Ash's perspective, or it's told kind of in between, like looking back at it, but it's always adding context to to something. And then I mentioned it already, but the author clearly puts a lot of thought and effort into trying to build and set up this world. There's a lot of history. There's a lot to discover. There's even, it, it is like somewhat fantasy in that there are these, what they call demons. And he encounters one, or Ash encounters one in volume two, which is like this werewolf with like metallic fur kind of thing. And that's his like first real taste of fantasy. And so I'm excited to see where that goes. It looks like volume three We'll focus on another side character who's interested in recreating planes. And that sounds like a kind of another cool aspect or thing for Ash to tackle. And realistically, this story could do kind of anything given the breadth of Ash's goal, which is rebuild civilization into something more reminiscent of like modern day Earth. And not even just Earth, but like developed nations Earth. You know, he's thinking of Japan, obviously. So if he wants to achieve that degree of development within his lifetime, he's going to touch literally everything. He's going to have to, at some point, revitalize like every aspect of life and civilization and knowledge. So this story can go in so many directions that I'm I'm going to keep reading. I'm interested to see what kind of overarching plot starts to develop here if there is one or if it's just kind of a volume to volume here's ash doing some more crazy stuff i'm not sure how quickly um things will develop for ash if that makes sense in some other stories time and things can move very quickly where like per volume a lot of stuff happens or changes or gets done uh, like realist here is a good example of that where like things can move really fast in that story. Whereas 
so far in Fushinokami, it moves, I won't call it fast, but within you know two volumes, he made it to a city, enrolled in a school, developed some like ointments, learned a bunch of stuff, met a bunch of new people, starting to reintroduce composting, and did lots and lots of research. So like, I'd say a lot of stuff happened, but like he didn't go from, you know, starting all this off and now suddenly he's like in charge of the city or anything. And then boom, he's got all these projects. There's, there's progress and momentum, but it's grounded and feels like built upon what he's been working on. Like everything he's working on is building to things. And so there's a very kind of defined logical progression that seems to be following. Like it does seem natural how each thing is building on the next, even if he does have kind of like a wide array of topics he's trying to, or not topics, but like areas that he's trying to address and get into. To kind of sum all this up, I guess, this is another story where I think it is made by the main character. Ash himself is the driving force of this story, you know, in both story, like plot and as a character, you know, and he is the point of view for most of the narration and storytelling, aside from like the alternate POVs. So I think this is another case of like your mileage may vary based on how you view and react to Ash. I think it's interesting. And so I enjoy this kind of civilization rebuilding, the scheming, the politics, the manipulation, the process of like researching, making proposals, doing experiments, all of that is fascinating. I love that kind of stuff. <laughs> is the, I don't know, it's a bad way to sum it all up, but I love that stuff. And so Ash is a character that's like pushing all this forward is great for me. I really enjoy this work. It's not like a favorite by any means, but it's definitely something I'm going to keep reading and looking forward to. But there's definitely a clear like, if you read or start reading the first volume, and Ash comes off as someone you just cannot stand to read, like about or follow his narration. Ash himself isn't necessarily going to, I don't want to say he's not going to change because I do think the other characters are slowly trying to like round his rough edges off. I'm not like sand his edges off. They're, They're trying to like get him to grow a little bit. And you do see some evidence of that through the first two volumes, but at his core, Ash is Ash. He's going to be that same character. So if if that works for you, then the story is, is really interesting. I think maybe the best way to describe it for me is that there's a lot of interesting potential here based on the thorough groundwork that the author is doing, laying out the world, the history, and setting up all these interesting characters. There's just a lot of potential here and at two volumes I can see it and so I'm hoping it continues along that vein and that's Fushinokami Rebuilding Civilization Starts with a Village by Mizumi Amakawa published in English by J Novel Club there are two volumes currently available the third volume is due to release in April go check it out if you're interested and let me know what you th- think of this series if you've read it or if you've heard about it. Thanks for listening. Follow my Twitter, I am DocPay for updates. And please, if you liked Occupied, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Every review helps other people find it. 
I'll catch you next time.